What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt, back with another podcast for you. My jaw finally starting to feel just a little bit better. We're going to break down NBA Finals Game 3, Chris Paul, PGA, and Live, and I've got a brand new segment lined up for y'all. Cannot wait to get into it. It's an absolutely loaded show. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Let's start with NBA Finals Game 3. What a game. Not really. I know that you know the Nuggets ended up winning by 15. They controlled it really the entire way through. First 15 minutes of the game, the Stars show up, the Stars come out to play, and that's really about it. In the first 15 minutes, Jokic and Murray combined to be 9 of 17 from the field for 18 points. Bam and Jimmy for the Heat were 8 of 18 for 19 points. The Stars showed up and showed out early especially Jokic, about halfway through the second quarter. He was at 10 points, 5 assists, 8 rebounds. And that's kind of when you knew that this was going to be Jokic's night. He obviously has the 30-point, 20-rebound, 10-plus assists, triple-double. Just an absolutely insane game. We see Jamal Murray go for 20 in the first half after only scoring 13 in Game 2. I mean, in the first half, you could really kind of feel Murray and Jokic get going. And when those two guys play well especially at both, you know, 30-point triple-double level, you're, I'm sorry, but you're just not going to beat them. Unless you have somebody on your team go crazy, which the Miami Heat didn't really have happen. Um, Butler and Bam, I thought, had okay nights. Um, The game from Jimmy Butler was, it was interesting to say the least. You know, they came out, he was really aggressive in the first half. was like 6 of 16 from the field to end the first half. Felt like they were really trying to get him going, and he just never really did. I mean, he still finished with 28 points, but it wasn't a normal Jimmy Butler game. It just He wasn't as efficient as he normally is. Bam Adebayo had a really bad game, 7-21 from the field, minus 20. Yeah, I know he had 17 rebounds. Those were big. We're going to talk a lot about the rebounding stuff here in a minute. But yeah, the stars for Miami didn't really show up. They didn't have a random role player go crazy either. I mean, outside of... You know, a 90-second stretch in the second quarter where, you know, Caleb Martin scored eight points in, in a row. Uh, outside of that, you really didn't feel the impact of their role players. Caleb Martin finished with 10. Nobody else finished with more than nine. Duncan Robinson hit hit a few threes, but you really didn't feel their impact. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the big thing with Miami, right? Because we talked about it several times on this podcast. The only way that Miami wins games is that they have a random third guy show up, and they just didn't have that. Gabe Vincent, who was great in games one and two, only had seven, shot 20% from the field, didn't have an assist, didn't have a rebound. I mean, borderline cardio game. I mean, if we want to get serious about it. So here's the thing, though. I, I said this in the preview with Zach Gray, and I don't know what Miami's going to do to adjust to this. They lack size. Like, a lot of size. And, you know, in Game 2, they played Kevin Love a little bit more, and he helped out with the rebounding. He pulled down 10 in 22 minutes. I thought that was one of the best things that he did in Game 2. Game 3, though, his his minutes get cut, and, you know, they end up going to, to Caleb Martin, who played a lot more in Game 3 than he did in Game 2. Played over 30 minutes in Game 3, only played 20 in Game 2. Max Struess's minutes... Got cut as well. Part of that is because he's not shooting the ball very well right now. But they have to figure out some way 
to rebound because they just didn't. They got out-rebounded by 25. Denver had 58 rebounds to Miami's 33. I mean, that's that's way too large. That's way too big of a gap. And you could say, you know what? Well, Miami just didn't shoot well. Okay, a lot of Denver's rebounds were defensive because Miami just didn't shoot the basketball very well. And that's partially true, right? They only shoot 37% from the floor. But look at the points in the paint. Denver had 60 points in the paint to Miami's 34. I mean, that is just, that's unacceptable. And it's the lack of size. It's Jokic underneath kind of doing whatever he wants. That's a large part of it. But they got a lot of layups. Um, Christian Brown coming in off the bench, you know, scoring 15 points by attacking and cutting to the rim. And a lot of this, like I said, is Jokic, right? His ability to play, you know, 15, 17, 18 feet away from the basket and pull Bam away from the rim allows opportunities for guys to cut underneath. And Christian Brown took, you know, full advantage of that. And he was awesome. Christian Brown playing that well actually led to a cut in minutes for Michael Porter Jr., which is really weird. A guy who just hasn't shot it very well so far in these finals and hasn't defended super great either. He has rebounded well, though. That is the one thing you have to say about Michael Porter Jr. He's rebounded the basketball extremely well, but because of the extra size that Denver has outside of Michael Porter Jr., they don't need him on the floor to help to help with the rebounding. So why have him on the floor when he's going to shoot one of seven from the field? Meanwhile, you've got Christian Brown, who's going to play a much higher level of defense, even as a rookie, and is going to attack the rim and finish 7 of 8 from the field. The only shot that he missed was a three-point shot. It, you know, hit it off the side of the backboard, grabbed the offensive rebound, though. So, you know, there's the good part of it. Um, Jeff Green, you know, continues to be really consistent, you know, in the 15 to 18 minutes that he sees on the floor. Aaron Gordon, the defense that he continues to play, is just outstanding. He is... Probably the perfect defender for Jimmy Butler. Really disciplined. Has the lateral quickness to stay in front of him. Has the explosiveness to recover and to get up and block some shots. Continues to rebound well. Continues to finish around the rim well. So, yeah, Denver played really well. Still not the best game that we've seen them play. Still not the best game that they can play. As They only shoot 28% from three. And if you're a Miami fan, you've got to be nervous about this. Okay, we haven't seen the game where everybody for Denver shoots lights out. I mean, you're just kind of waiting on the game where they shoot like 42% from three and they put up 128 points on you. And when that game happens, Miami's not winning that game. Not happening. They aren't just going to flat out outscore Denver. Now, part of why Denver hasn't shot the ball as well in this series is because of the defense that Miami has been playing. But good offense beats good defense. The game is coming where Denver goes crazy because none of the role players have really gone off for Denver quite yet. Meanwhile, Miami has already had a few. Game four is tonight. What adjustments are we looking for? What do we want to see Miami do different? What are we expecting Coach Spo to do differently? I don't know. I I think Kevin Love is going to get some more minutes just to help with the rebounding stats. Um, I'm interested to see how much zone they play. They didn't play as much zone in game three as they did in game two. Part of that is because Duncan Robinson didn't play as many minutes. Um, So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they balance that. Because, I mean, look, Denver, they aren't scoring as much against the zone, but they're still getting good looks. And ultimately, at some point, good looks go down. And as a defense, when you're giving up these good looks, you can't 
I mean, you can't stay in that look, right? If you continue to give up good shots when you're in the zone, you have to go out of it. At some point, obviously when Duncan Robinson's on the floor, they're going to they're going to run zone simply to protect him and everything that he brings. So, how is Miami going to rebound tonight? Does Denver finally get going from three? What does Jimmy Butler and Bam look like? And who is Miami's role player of the game? Because in order for them to win games, as we've seen throughout this entire playoffs, they have to have one of their role players get going. Who is that guy going to be? Is it going to be Gabe Vincent again? Does Caleb Martin kind of find it like he did in the Eastern Conference Finals? What is what is the answer here? So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk Chris Paul. Should be good. Hope you enjoy it. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. Chris Paul is reportedly going to be waived by the Phoenix Suns simply because of the fact that he's not worth $30.8 million and that's how much he's due next season. Only, you know, just under 16 of that is guaranteed. And Phoenix can use the stretch provision to spread out that, you know, $15.8 million over the next five years. Here's the thing with that. If they decide to do that, if they even end up waiving him, because as I said, this hasn't officially happened yet, it's just probably going to happen. They can't re-sign Paul until after 2025 when his original contract was set to expire. But that doesn't matter because if they're waving him now, Chris Paul's not going to get any better as he continues to get older. So that's not a big deal. But why do they do this? What is the point? Point's very obvious. It's to free up some cap space. Okay, this move's going to free up about $27 million in cap space for this next season, which isn't a lot of money. It's not. It's not a lot of money. So what can Phoenix do with Paul off of their payroll? Let's start with what their cap situation is going to look like for this next season. So the projected cap for as of right now is set to be somewhere around $134 million. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton are going to combine to make a little more than $116 million next year. Okay, so their entire money situation is wrapped up in these three guys. They don't have all that much space to add much-needed depth. They don't have enough space to add another star. The most realistic option, as of right now, for this Phoenix Suns team would be some sort of sign-and-trade. Probably Aiton, because they're not moving Booker, and they're not moving Durant, and they're paying Aiton a lot of money. Okay, The major restriction, though, that comes with executing a sign-and-trade would be the hard cap. Wait, hold up. Sorry, my notes are a little jumbled here. I'm trying to make sure that I get everything right for you guys. So, Based on like the hard cap and things like that, if they're over an X amount, they aren't allowed to do a sign-and-trade. And that's part of why they released Paul, is so that they would be allowed to do this. Okay, um, And the other thing is that if you perform a sign-and-trade, you can't exceed the first apron, which is like, if you go over the cap, a second cap. That's, I think, the most simple way to put it. If you go over that for any reason... You, you aren't allowed to go over that for any reason. Excuse me. You aren't allowed to go over that if you acquire a sign-and-traded player. Jeez, i got to slow down a little bit. Okay, so that figure, the first apron figure, is supposed to be around $170 million next year. So, between Durant, Booker, Aiton, and what Paul would have made would have come out to about $147 million next year with Paul on the original salary. But by extending by waiving Paul and extending his money out they go from having to pay 30.8 million dollars next year to only 3.2 and now the sign and trade looks a lot more realistic 
So here are some options. I don't think that this is going to happen. I don't know really who they're targeting with this potential sign and trade, but it's interesting because now they're in a move. They now they're in a space where they can maneuver and they have some, you know, some opportunities to add some much needed pieces to this roster. So they they wave Paul, and let's say that they want to go get Kyrie Irving. Okay, they could match the max salary in a trade with Aiton, Shamit, and Payne. And then at that point, they would actually create even more cap space for themselves, moving Aiton and bringing in Kyrie. Durant, Booker, and Irving, all on max salaries, would cost them around $130 million. Okay? And, you know, after, you know, the dead cap charge and everything for Paul, for waiving Paul and all that, they still ra- they still have around you know thirty five million dollars to spend, so thirty five million dollars in salary to spend, be- below the hard cap line, be- below that one hundred thirty four million dollars. It's not a lot, but it's not nothing either. Okay, they could use part of that, you know, for the non taxpayer middle level exception on like a fourth starter, or somewhere you know just to add another starter because they they need another starter, especially if they're going to move Aiton, and then from there they can build out the bench with minimums and things of that nature, okay? The team wouldn't be super deep, but you do have, you know, Devin Booker, you do have Kevin Durant, okay? They, they could also sign and trade for James Harden if they wanted. Uh, they could sign and trade for Chris Middleton, maybe. There, there are options out there for guys that they could sign and trade for to add a third star that's better than Ayton because, you know, look, I don't have to go over all the stuff on why people don't like DeAndre Ayton. Okay, but they need either another star or they need a whole bunch of role players. And either way, the way for them to do that is to move Aiton. Okay, like that's that's really what they have to do. Okay, if Phoenix wants to compete next year, they're going to have to sign and trade Aiton away to bring in some depth or another legit starter who can contribute to them winning an NBA Finals right now. Either that or Frank Vogel's going to have to pull something out of his butt and figure out how to make DeAndre Aiton you know, a 22 to 25 points a night with, you know, 12 or 13 rebounds a night kind of guy. One of those two things has to happen. I think it's much easier just to move the guy, especially a guy who doesn't really seem like he wants to be there. Moving on, we're going to hit on Liv and the PGA real quick, and then we're going to take a short break, and then I'll come back with my brand new segment. Can't wait to get into it. So I'm, I'm going to make this really short because I don't think this is overly complicated you know, a lot of people are talking about like the political side of things with like Saudi and all that kind of stuff. So Liv and the PGA merge. This is not a surprise. You shouldn't be surprised by this. And here's why. There is only one sport in America that is popular enough to have multiple leagues. And that's football. That is the NFL. Okay, you cannot split the talents in any other sport. That is especially a sport like golf. That's super dependent on like showcasing its athletes. Like, for example, the NBA is built in a really similar way of it's not about the team, it's about the individual. If you took the NBA and you split it in half, and we had two leagues, okay, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie and James Harden and Chris Paul and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard all went to play in one league. Meanwhile, Luka and Jokic and LeBron and Anthony Davis and you know, um, Jalen Brunson and some other stars, Jimmy Butler, all played in the other league, neither league would do well. Both leagues would see 
a drop in ratings because they don't have everybody that everybody wants to see. And the same thing happened with the PGA, right? When Phil Mickelson left and Brooks Kepka left. Like, those are guys that people enjoyed watching on the PGA Tour. But now they're gone, so why would I watch the PGA Tour? Why would I watch it? And then, you know, watching Live Here in America was kind of difficult with TV deals and things like that. And so they end up having to bring it all back together. Because golf is just simply not a popular enough sport to have two leagues. That is the ultimate truth of this. That's what we learned from this. Okay? Meanwhile, football has like three leagues. Okay? Now, obviously, it's a little bit different with the NFL because all the best players play in the NFL. And then, you know, the spring football stuff is for guys who just aren't good enough to play in the NFL. So it's a little bit different in that regard. But ultimately, this is the truth. Golf is not popular enough to have two separate leagues. Simple as that. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I've got a new segment. Really excited to do it. I hope I hope you enjoy it as much as I have enjoyed doing it. Cannot wait. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt debuting a brand new segment. One that I'm very excited for. I hope you all enjoy it as much as I do. I'm going to call it Facebook Frenzy. The name is negotiable if you have a better name. Feel free to tweet at me at shooting the Schmidt. You know, Instagram, DM me at or excuse me, Twitter at me, jschmidt underscore four. Same same with the Instagram. Feel feel free to DM me or whatever. If you have a better name idea, then Facebook Frenzy. Now, Jonathan, what is Facebook Frenzy? Facebook Frenzy is an idea I had partially after talking to Zach Gray. I've been toying around with this idea for a while though. So I recently joined a whole bunch of Facebook groups to, you know, just advertise my YouTube channel. You know, you, you, you got to take the content to the people who want to see the content. Okay. And what I've noticed in these groups is that just people will say anything. They'll say anything. And the responses are sometimes great. Sometimes they're not great. Either way, it's really entertaining. And so I was like, you know what? I like to push people's buttons. Let's see how upset I can make some people in these Facebook groups. So, I decided to poke at some Dallas Cowboy fans. Because let's be honest, they're pretty emotional people. Those people down there in Dallas, Texas. You say anything bad about those Cowboys, they just, mm, they get really upset. So, I proceeded to join a couple of Facebook groups and say, just very simply, without Ezekiel Elliott's, I think there's no way that the Cowboys win more than four games this year. And boy, did that spark up some conversation. Here are some of my favorite comments. Uh, the first one I got was, you're gay, go to bed. <laughs> I got a lot of, you don't watch much football, huh? That's that's pretty normal. you know. Anytime you say anything that's kind of outlandish, that's always people's go-to. Oh, you must not watch a lot or what's going on. Uh, I got some, I hope you're not a gambling man. I got one that says, opinions are like buttholes. Everybody has one and yours stinks. That's fine. I think, I mean, I watch every night, but it's fine. And then this is my favorite one. <laughs> Someone just said very simply, kick him out of the group. <laughs> 
Get that nonsense out of here. They were so upset. They were people like, I thought that this group was for Cowboys fans only, and like, why are, like, why is this non-Dallas Cowboys fan in here? And I just, uh, and it sparked all this conversation because there's, there's these few people in every single group, and this is kind of what I was counting on, that agree with me. There are people who, who agree with me, which I just think is so funny. Which is, it's it's the best part. Like, and now there's all these people who are just mad at each other. I just, oh my gosh, it's so great. Um, I got, you know, I'm, I'm running through some of them again now. I got a lot of, are you high? Put down the crack pipe. Um, this one guy agrees with me partially, you know, he says, if we don't address the power back position, I'm not going to say four games, but, but it'll look far from where I think we could go, you know, and then that stuff's, I don't know. It's just kind of funny. I enjoy, I enjoy reading all these. Got some shut up, got some glad he's gone. Must be something wrong with you. Might have a point. Thank you. I can't pronounce your name, but thank you. So, yeah, this is a great time. So, I love these comments. I'm going to be doing this every week. My one for next week, I'm, I'm going after some Eagles fans. Uh, I posted that one today in all the different groups, and it has been quite entertaining already. My Facebook notifications are pretty wild, um, which is a really weird thing to say. My, my, my Facebook notifications are popping. Not something I ever thought I'd say as a 23-year-old who never gets on Facebook. So, thanks so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed that last little segment there at the end. Um, Yeah, so I'll be back again with another podcast on Monday or Tuesday. Not too too sure yet. Trying to land a guest. Got to talk to him and see when he's free to record. Um, Yeah, so hopefully we'll have another podcast out for you early on next week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, follow, subscribe whatever you're supposed to do on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you once again for listening. I'll be back again with another podcast for y'all early next week.